Okay, we are back. Uh, we were gone for a little bit. We missed the month of January. I certainly hope you guys missed us. Uh, but, you know... I don't miss January. I don't miss January. I mean, it's Michigan. January in Michigan is uh, brutal. But yeah. I, I hope our listeners uh, missed us because... I certainly miss doing this, but you know, life, life takes over. Uh, you know, my, my, my daughter was insanely sick, um, for what seemed like the entire month. So I I was in no place to be doing this or really anything else uh, outside of going to work and, and taking care of my kid. Um, but she's good now. She slept through the night the last couple of nights. So everything's coming up Millhouse for me. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's a good thing uh, to sleep through the night. Yes, my wife actually yesterday she's like, because I was like dancing around in the morning, and she's like, "Why are you so awake?" I'm like, "We slept through the night two nights in a row. Why aren't you?" You know, it's weird. I woke up and had the opposite thing this morning because I <laughs> I messed around and um, watched that uh, gold medal game. Oh, uh, U.S. Canada yeah. women. Yep. And uh, it, it was it, it was worth staying up for. But you're exhausted. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I, you know, because it was decided in a shootout, right? Like yeah. uh, you, I, I'm guessing you didn't watch it live, but know I about it, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the good guys won, Sonny. Yeah. The yeah. good guys won. I know. Uh, but the, um, the, you know, I went to a shootout and I think hockey should decide hockey, not, not, not skills, not, right? yeah. Not a skills competition. Yeah. But at two 30 in the morning, you're cool with it's it. It's all right. Yeah. You're fine I'm cool with, with it. it. Bring yeah. it to a head and let me, let me be done with it. But, Did you see the, uh, uh, the Canadian, uh, the one girl, um, one woman, I should say took off her silver medal. Like she was immediately. Yeah, she wasn't having. You know what? Like as a Canadian, I, I I get that. Like she's not having silver medals in hockey. Like she's like, what is this? <laughs> well, uh, at the World Juniors, um, what was it? The the dude from um, uh, was it Sweden or Finland? Just immediately made a beeline towards a crowd and tossed it to a guy. Oh, I didn't know that. that's and awesome! Got a silver one. So yeah. So I I don't know. Like even you know. As a as a non um, Olympic athlete, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, I I kind of no, like that. I mean, yeah, I I think he might he might regret that in hindsight because you know she's at least still gonna have her silver medal, and once she kind of gets over the hurt, um, she's gonna see that as you know probably a pretty big accomplishment. But you know, in the moment, like I think any athlete, you know. Any any competition like celebrate like at that level celebrating second place it's probably not something they want to be doing. It's like just let me sure. go back to the locker room and leave me alone. Speaking of Canada, yes. If um, if someone asks you, well, when someone asks you, because I'm mm-hmm. sure you get it uh, often when people meet you and hear you talk for the first time. Yep. And they and they go, hey man, where are you from? What do you right. tell them? Well, so I've, you know, I've lived in Michigan longer than any place else. And because I know what they're getting at, 
um, because I've gotten that pretty much my entire life. Where are you from? Um, And the expectation is always like some exotic place. I I just like to screw with people and say, oh, yeah, Grand Rapids. I'm from like the north side. I was like, you know, I grew up from the west side. I'm a west side kid. But then I moved into the burbs on the north side. And they're just like, then the answer is like, no, no, no. Like, where are you from? Like before that. And then I go, you know, I, I tell them Toronto. And that usually doesn't satisfy the answer either. <laughs> so they, yeah. they're like, no, no, no. Like, like, were you born in Canada? And, you know, then I'll get into it. But it's like, why can't Grand Rapids just be an answer you're happy with? <laughs> like, what if I was born in Grand Rapids? Then I'd be really annoyed. <laughs> this is an Alpine accent, man. Exactly. <laughs> it's the West Side. This is how we talk on the West Side of the city. <laughs> Everyone from Ottawa Hills does this. <laughs> That's right. Where did you go? Did you go to Ottawa? No, Union. Union, okay. Yeah. See, if, if I played hockey, though, I would have played for Ottawa. We didn't have enough people, so our, our team just merged with Ottawa's, I think, if I remember. Uh, it was like all all four of the people from uh, from my high school that played hockey just merged with Ottawa. So when did you move to Toronto? I moved to Toronto in 1996, like four days after my 10th birthday. So happy birthday. We're going to another continent. Um and saw snow for the first time because it's, you know, March. Um, and I think that was a year that there was a big blizzard. So, like, the snow, you know, lingered. Um, and I remember very specifically because, like, we were we, we thought we were preparing for a Canadian winter. So, we bought, like, coats and stuff. But it was like a, like a fancy leather jacket <laughs> that my parents got me. Thinking, yeah, we're preparing for the winter. Here's a leather coat. And we stepped off the plane and it was like, what the? <laughs> like what is this <laughs> like i knew what snow was because i'd seen it in movies but that was like you know I no actual concept of what it requires for snow to form and then stay on the ground you know like the the weather conditions needed um and then you get there and it's like oh my god this is this is something different like, i think we made like a beeline you know to the apartment and then to the store the next day to get get something real. Yeah. So what prompted the move in the first place? I don't even I don't even know. Like I, yeah, no, I like I honestly I don't even know. Um, I I for I think it was my dad's job. Like he got a different job in Canada, but I'm not sure if he got the job because he wanted us to move to Canada or whether, you know, his company moved him. And so that's why we ended up moving. Um, but, you know, I know he, he moved to Canada like a couple of months before we did. Um, cause you know, people might not know this about Canada cause you know, it's, it's happy, like liberal America's hat. Um, but immigrating to Canada is really difficult. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of work. Like they, you know, their, their borders are fairly closed, um, which is, I think, surprising because I feel like, if not majority, um, a pretty large plurality of that country's population is probably immigrants. Um, but, you know, there's not a lot of people there. So that's not necessarily saying all that much. Um, but it's, it's difficult to, to move there. So, like, my dad had to move and, get established with a job and a place to live and all that stuff before we could even, um, 
move and I, I'm not I think if I remember properly like we moved and didn't necessarily have all the have all the you know um, benefits of living in Canada until a little while later when we got all that stuff but yeah it's it's not easy moving in Canada hmm. so what uh, did you get into hip-hop when you were in Canada or was it before that yeah or? no yeah so so like in India um, I did listen to a little bit of hip-hop um, well I guess it depends on if you call it hip-hop or not but like uh you know, we, 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 uh, we had like satellite television, so I would watch it. Like I watched like the Simpsons and, uh, Ren and Stimpy. Like I would watch American shows. Um, and so we got MTV. MTV was one of the things we got. Um, so Criss Cross, Criss Cross was my Make first introduction to, yeah. Um, and there was an Indian rapper too, um, called, uh, Apache Indian, um, which is kind of weird. Cause he's Indian, but he's going by a pet. Like I didn't it's understand it then. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't understand the name then at all. Right. It just, it's just a name. Um, but like, as you get older, like this doesn't make any sense. Like, why is he feeding into this weird stereotype that doesn't exist in India? Like what the hell is he doing? Yeah. You know? Um, but like he'd done stuff in the States and stuff too. So I think, you know, that might've been part of the influence. But yeah, like those were my first two influences into hip hop was one Indian rapper. And then, uh, you know, the Mac data, the Mac daddy will make a jump, jump. Yeah. Like that was it. Um, but yeah, no, it was Canada. It was, uh, you know, 96. So a lot of my early, early references to hip hop were kind of that mid late nineties. Um, and I def I went back and listened to old stuff once I really got into it. But like, um, you know, changes like you know Tupac's greatest hits was was before I got into Tupac's earlier stuff just because of timing purposes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I know like Snoop was really big at that time, so that's what I started getting into. And then kind of what what triggered that? Okay. This is amazing. I, I kind of want to get into this. Was the first time I heard Elmatic. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, first time I heard uh, New York State of Mind, I was like, what? Whoa. Like, this is, they're, they're, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what's happening, but there's something here. And I'm really digging it. Um, so, Nas, Nas was my first, uh, first, like, okay, this is, this is really, really dope. So at the time you didn't know what it was about Nas that intrigued you, but especially with New York State of Mind, that yeah. hooked you. Like, cause I, yeah, because like I didn't, you know, at that point, I didn't get any of the references or what he was talking. You know, it's not like it's not like the lyrics connected with me, because um, none of that made sense. Like I didn't know anything about New York. I didn't know anything about Queens. You know, I didn't know anything about living in the projects or anything like that. Um, that, that came later as I grew up and, you know, my parents split and we moved to the projects and, um, th those references started making sense as I kind of got immersed into North American culture more and more. But at first it was just, you know, this X factor of th this is, this sounds like it's very interesting and I don't know why, but it's just hooking me in. Um, so Ill Illmatic, Illmatic was my first introduction. So, so your parents split and like you said you moved to the projects after that. So like, was your life like drastically different after your dad was kind of out of the picture? Yeah. Like, so I, 
you know, growing up in India and then growing up in Canada, um, early on, like I lived a very sheltered, comfortable life, right? Like, um, we were well off when we lived in India. So like money wasn't ever a thing. Um, I didn't really know anything about the projects or, or other side of life. Like I knew there were poor people, but it never impacted my life. And then, you know, when my parents split and then because of circumstances, we moved into government housing because that's, you know, uh, rent control it was became a very key part of life. Um, I was exposed to this, this new lifestyle that, that I was now a part of where, um, where, where a lot of the lyrics of what I was listening to started resonating. I was like, okay, like I, I see what he's talking about. Right. Like, or when you watch, when you watch a video and you see, oh, I, 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 okay. The basketball court, you know, surrounded by these tall buildings, surrounded by barbed wire and, and cages. Like, I, oh, I, like, that's my reality now. Um, and as you start getting older, it's like, okay, like all of this makes more and more sense. And you start connecting to it more and more. It's like, oh yeah, like we definitely have heavier police presence, except for when you actually need them. And then for whatever reason, it's taken forever, um, for them to get down here. So like all of that starts impacting and making more and more sense. So you fell in love with the art before you could understand the lifestyle. And then you kind of found yourself. Well, you know, not not identically in the lifestyle, but being able to relate to what was being talked about, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, just the idea of listening to this beat and hearing somebody manipulate the word, the way they talk and the words they're using, um, to kind of mimic that beat. I was like, whoa, this is this is really cool. This is really interesting. Um, and then once you start actually getting the lyrics of, um, early on, I was, I was very much into lyrical rappers, uh, you know, so getting in, you know, getting into Nas and then getting into Pac, um, and, you know, to a certain extent, even getting into Biggie and Jay, it was like, oh, okay, there, there's something definitely going on here. So tell me about, um, tell me about the Toronto rap scene. Like, what defines it for you? You know, f- for me, a big part of, and I don't know how it is now, right? Because it's been so long since I've been out of it. Um, but when I was growing up in Toronto and looking at Toronto rappers, um, like the West Indies, the Caribbean, like that island culture um, really emanated through all of Canadian hip hop. Basically, I, like pretty much any of the Canadian rappers that I listened to were um, from the Caribbean or from West Indies, right? Like they were from Jamaica or they were from Trinidad and Tobago. They were from the islands. Um, and then, uh, you know, similar, I think, uh, when you look at like London, um, hip hop culture there and the slang and stuff, it's very much uh, intertwined with, uh, Jamaican and island slang, right? Like, so mm-hmm. the way, you know, all the slang that we used to talk to each other was all uh, very island based. And there was no, there was no like this thing of, well, you're not from the islands. Why are you, why are you using that slang? It was just, you're in Toronto. That's how everybody talks, right? Like, um, it, it, it was not, uh, it was not an odd sighting to see 
um, somebody that looked Chinese but had like the crazy thickest, um, you know, Jamaican accent that you've ever heard, right? Like Sean Paul is a guy that, you know, he's, he's from Jamaica, but he grew up in Toronto. Um, he's, he's half Chinese, half Jamaican. Like that's normal. You know, that's, that's not out of the realm of things that you would see. Um, but yeah, so like that was, that was a big thing. The other thing was, I think, I don't know if Toronto was in love. Yeah. I think Toronto, like uh, Canadian hip hop was in love with like older b-boy culture. Hmm. Um, you would see it in like a lot of music videos where, um, guys were still, you know, dressing like it was the eighties and paying homage, um, to b-boys and you'd see a lot of like break dancing and stuff going on in the in the videos um and break dancing scene in Toronto was pretty big at that time too and like almost as if it was um new it wasn't new but it's like the the enthusiasm around it was still like that you know i i first i became aware i think i think um you know i had known sean paul um uh, just because mm-hmm. he was huge in the early right. 2000s mid 2000s uh but the first act that i ever tied to toronto and it was because of your influence you introduced me to him was uh cardinal right yes yes um i i don't know what his kind of stature is still in toronto but i know when I was a kid, like, he was the guy. Like, I remember the first time, like, Bacardi Slang um, premiered on BET. Like, I think it was, like, 106 in Park. Um, Everybody I knew knew that that video was about to premiere. And, like, the instant school ended, you beelined at home because you did not want to miss it. Guy from Toronto on American television on 106 in Park premiering his video, like, a video and a song that's all about the city. Um, it was, yeah, like everybody was like super excited. Um, so yeah, Cardinal's a guy that I will, I will still kind of ride or die with, um, to the point where like, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it becomes fandom and I can't necessarily analyze his songs in, you know, in a, in a real critical way. Like even crap songs, I'd be like, "That's amazing, that's dope," and it's like, eh, "Is it?" I'm like, "Yes," because it's Cardi. Like, yes. He becomes like emblematic of not just the city, yeah. but like, like who you are and what. Uh, like you said that he was on 106 in Park premiering a song that was deeply coded uh, and and overtly. Uh, throwing praise to to the city that he's from right and right i mean yeah so and that's a guy that's always shown love to toronto right you know you look at a guy like drake um he he can't decide if he's from miami or if he's from toronto you know like when he's getting courtside tickets to the raptors game oh yeah he's mr toronto but other than that you know there's not a lot of love being shown um to that city right like he he's so much about you know oh yeah like i'm from he's from miami and he loves that culture and that's fine like you know whatever you love you love like you gotta do you um but i think canadians especially have like this 
Um, I think because we're kind of underrepresented in the arts a little bit, um, especially like popular culture stuff in the U.S., when a guy does break through, when a guy does make it, it's like, he's one of ours. You know, we, he's one of ours. He, he's Canadian. Um, you'll see Canadians, I feel like you'll see Canadians with that all the time. Like if there's an actor that is really popular and people don't know he's Canadian, like, oh yeah, he's from Canada. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, because I watch a lot of hockey and, I, um, you know, I, I just it takes you to websites. It, it makes you watch hockey night in Canada. I I've mm-hmm. seen a lot yep. of CBC and TSN and sports net programming and, and things of that nature. And it's like, like Canadian tire, like there's no, there's no American tire. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. The golden arches have a freaking maple leaf in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Uh, oh, yeah. and it's it, pretty much like, I think, and I think it's like, I think it's law. <laughs> Um, I might be wrong on that. I might be completely off base, but I feel like you have to have some piece of the Canadian flag in your logo to do business in Canada. Well, yeah, you know, I got to think it's one part pride and, you know, patriotic pride and and, and probably uh, another part insecurity a little bit or like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's some little brother in there, you know, like um, constantly trying to proof like hey we're just as good you know i I think i think i I think there's definitely some of that um to show that hey we're just as big players on this global market um yeah so tell tell me about the song that you picked for this week so i picked um this guy out of toronto called chaos um for those listening that haven't heard of him it's k hyphen os um, and the song is Heaven Only Knows. Um, I think it was like, it was one of his earlier, earlier songs. Um, and I, I've got kind of an interesting relationship, both with chaos and this song where, you know, up until now we've talked about songs that, um, we like a lot, um, and we really identify with. For me, both this artist and a song like it's I like chaos a lot and I like this song I think it's an interesting song but in the same time I have some real um issues with both chaos as an artist and the song in general right like I feel like chaos is a guy that's trying to be philosophical but a lot of his lyrics to me come off as like neo-philosophy or like pseudo-philosophy it's like well that's not like the way you're phrasing it kind of makes it sound deep but if you actually think about it it's not necessarily all that deep um and then this song too specifically like it's the metaphors are i mean they're not they're not uh underlying it's pretty overt um it's it's very religious in nature and you know i'm an atheist so i don't necessarily relate um, with and don't necessarily agree with a lot of what he's trying to say and, you know, the questions he's trying to pose um, with this song. But at the same time, like, I, I feel like he has such an interesting way of phrasing and his flow is so interesting that just from the art standpoint, I'm like, yeah, like, this is a talented dude and I feel like this is a song and his songs in general is something that should have more exposure but it doesn't necessarily get so 
it's it's interesting. His um, so he's from Toronto, right? And, mm-hmm. and and like I didn't, I listened to the song, and it, it's pretty clear. I mean, just by listening to the shout outs at the end, <laughs> like yeah. right. who 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 he runs with, who who he respects, and uh, um, right. you know, he even shouts out T dot. So like. You know, even when right. he's doing shout outs, it's not coded at all. Right. Um, let me tell you some thoughts that I had when I was when I was listening to this. First, like I was um, pulling like what I thought he sounded like um, mm-hmm. and, and what this song sounded like. So when um, when the hi-hat comes in at the start, because it starts completely acapella, right? And and right. then it just brings the hi hat in, and and I was like, "Shit, is the is the shook ones beat gonna drop?" Because it kind of like <laughs> it, it kind of sounded. <laughs> it starts off that way, yeah. Um, yeah. And then at the start of the second verse, when it brings in that piano, it reminded me mm-hmm. of um, uh, Immortal Techniques' "Dance with the Devil." I don't know if you listen to Technique uh, coming I, up at all. No, I mean, I have, but no, I don't know them well enough to. To really pull that and and it and it's just like the piano part and the and just how it's kind of like um it, you know it sounds like a minor minor chord in there and just kind of like mm-hmm. deeper or darker a little bit right like more melancholy yeah uh, and mm-hmm. and so like from an instrumental standpoint those are the two things that that instrumental made me think about but really i went back and i listened to them and it didn't sound like that um the remix, though, um, pulls from that classic Isley Brothers song that uh, um, that Cubes, uh, um, uh, it was a good day, uh, sampled, right? Yeah. So, so here's the thing about that, and I just noticed this because I'm, I've got the lyrics up here. Uh, the Isley Brothers are writers on the song. <laughs> they are. Like all of them, like Ernie, Marvin. Kelly, Ronald, and Rudolph Eisner. Now, are those writer credits are because some, of the sample? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't like. I don't necessarily know how writer credits always work on these things, right? Because um, you'll see basically on all of fifty fifties guys on you know when with G you know when that was really big, like fifty got pretty much writer credit on every track, mm-hmm. and whenever they had a falling out, 50 would point to that and say, see, I wrote all their songs. Um, but they would always refute that. So I'm like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, do you get writer credits for having anything to do with this song? Or do you only get writer credits? Like if you actually contributed to the lyrics of the song, right? Like, I, I, I don't know how that works in terms of what you have to legally do um, in the industry for, for artists' rights. So I don't know if, yeah, like it, it might be all because of the sample or maybe the Isleys did help them write the song, which would be kind of interesting and weird. Well, you know, like if, if you look at a Led Zeppelin album's liner notes, like Jimmy Page is going to be all over the place, but you're not going to hear them. Uh, right. And I think, you know, right. uh, Plant is, uh, you know, the, the chief like writer of the lyrics themselves. So like when you, when you put it in the context right. of like writing – you know, for us and for hip hop, you gravitate towards the the lyricist because that's everything, right? But I right. think that you know they tuck in the the 
the artists that they sample to. So that wouldn't surprise me um, yeah. in the slightest. Um, but, you know, from the instrumental standpoint, those are the things I've picked out. But his flow, yeah, remind when he gets like, there's parts of it. I think like flow wise, he sounds like Q-Tip a little bit. Yeah, where he chops and it up then, a lot. And then like tone, uh, like vocal tone wise, there's like, and I don't know if it, this is the instrumental because it was stripped down and, and it made me think of it, mm-hmm. but a little most deaf in, in there a little bit, not from a flow standpoint, but from like a vocal tone. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that when you, uh, like when you say that, like, yes, like that right away, like, yeah, 100%, you can hear that. But my take is the same as you on the, on the lyrics themselves. Like I was, I was searching for, for bars that stood out to me and like, I think my feelings on him are pretty much well summed up by the start of that second verse where he, he basically right. is starting to rhyme for rhyme's sake at the start. And, and actually some of those, yeah. uh, those, um, like the multi-syllable stuff that he puts together are, are things mm-hmm. that are kind of played, right? Those, those, uh, right. those words themselves are rhymed together often because they sound cool, right? The methodical prodigal right. flows, hypnotical blows yeah. to brain pieces, telekinesis, like telekinesis is like yep. the most overused golden word in hip hop, probably. Cause it's, cause it's so easy to, a, you know, it's it's really easy to do a multi-syllable rhyme with telekinesis because mm. all of the different syllables are really easy, easy rhymes to anything that you want. It's it's a good bridge. And you sound smart too, right? Like like it's a smart dude yeah, word. Exactly. Yeah, except if you actually, <laughs> yeah, except if you read it and then you're like, he just threw telekinesis in there. Like it has nothing to do with I don't know what he's saying. saying. Yeah. Uh, the most intriguing bars it, uh, for me are what comes after that when he says, when I reach this pinnacle, cynical, clinical microphone, Autobots waiting on, um, on lotto spots, like that line there, the microphone, microphone, Autobots waiting on lotto spots. I don't know that it really, um, that whole thing doesn't make a ton of sense, but the, the waiting on lotto spots itself, like I just find that intriguing. Um, I don't know what he's talking about there, but like, it's uh it's like lotto spots and like waiting on lotto spots makes me it brings back memories of being in like i grew up in a uh you know a cottage community and like people would blow like blow paychecks on on booze and and lotto Mm -hmm. tickets right and and that's not too different than like like people in the city right uh but like right like I just had this Im- image on people loitering, um, scr- doing their scratch offs, like on the on the free mm-hmm. press uh, <laughs> on the free press machine, like right on top of it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know that that's it brings it to life and and connected. You know, I I brought that to life with my own memories, right? It's not necessarily something that he's right commu- communicating anything. Um. Like what, what made you pick this song then? If, uh, you know, it's something that's so contradictory to what you believe and sounds like you're not really impressed too much lyrically by it. What, um, 
What made you want to talk about it? So a couple of reasons. One, I do think he's a talented artist and, um, you know, if, if it, if it gives exposure to the people that listen to this podcast that haven't heard of him or haven't heard him too much, uh, to go down that path and explore out a new artist. I think that's, that's always interesting. Um, I like finding new artists that other people, um, like or are interested in and you know I'll give them a good lesson even if I decide like nah that's not for me um two I kind of told myself that I I want to talk more about some Canadian artists uh on this podcast um and then finally the last reason was I wanted to pick a song that we could be um a bit more polarizing with, you know, a bit more critical with where, where I can appreciate the song, right? Like, and I can appreciate, um, how it sounds. Like I, I like the intr- instrumental. I like the changes that happen within the instrumental. Um, I, I like the, the flow of the song. I like the melody. I, I like his flow. Um, and it's, you know, like listening to this track is, uh, I, I don't know how much of it is nostalgia versus how much of it, how much of it is authentic. But, um, even though I completely disagree with pretty much all the lyrics, um, it's pleasing, uh, to the ear. Like this, this is to me, it's, it's a fun song to just listen to. And like, you know, the hook is nice. Like you can, it's easy to sing along with the hook, the way he sings to it. Um, so I, I just thought this would be something that'd be an interesting discussion, especially given that, um, you know, we're not, we're not in love necessarily with the artist or, or the song necessarily, but at the same time, it, it, it has its merits. It has its values, um, in terms of being art, right? Like it's not just a garbage song just cause I disagree with the lyrical content. Cause I mean, there's plenty of garbage songs out there um but i think it's a good song that i disagree with um and it has its faults i mean it has the faults of you know any any real rap song from the early 2000s right like i think the 2000s were both a really dope period in hip-hop and a really dumb period in hip-hop all at the same time so he's got a line in there that says in in the year two zero one one. So like, did this drop in two thousand eleven yeah. or did? No, I think this was like two thousand. I think he's like it's. I think it's like supposed to be like a futuristic yeah, so reference. Just... Yeah, because he's saying like in the year two zero one one, the people of the sun returned to the free righteous children. You know, he's saying in the future we're we're all gonna be two thousand three. Uh, we're all gonna be like hifro. We're all gonna be like Afro punk hippies that are into God. I've got no problem with the lyrical content, man. Like, uh, like you said, it, it's not a garbage song. It's just kind of played, right? Like, and and, and I, yeah. I've actually got no problem you talking about God and contemplating like the reason for our existence and like, like I do that shit too. Um, I, I don't, I don't attribute it to mm-hmm. God, um, but I. Uh, um, you need to go somewhere specific for me, 
you need to do something like, like, like I want right. to, um, I, I, I like the parts where he's like talking about talking with his dad, right? Um, like go more into what right. you talk yeah. about with your dad, right? <laughs> um, like you, re- you reference your dad yeah. and then you kind of back off of it. So it's kind of like, you know, this is like a, a, a survey course. I want, I, I want to like take one of these threads and jump into it like real deep. Because if you, you know, if you look at it, it's trying to be deep with using like using different words that sound cool when they go together, but it's it, it's really not going anywhere, right? Like, uh, tell me more about yeah. the microphone Autobots. But, like, you know, I, <laughs> right. Like, get get into it. Like, what do you? Yeah. Like, what are you? If you're gonna be Lupe, talk, be yeah. be all in Lupe. But, like, like make that make that world. Right. right? Exactly. Yes. Right. Right. But like, I wonder though, and maybe this is just like misremembering because we're so far removed from it, but I feel like early 2000s, um, that was hip hop, right? Like so much of it was um, disjointed where, where the art couldn't really decide whether they wanted to go this super philosophical, super lyrical, like Pharaoh Monch route, or whether they wanted to ride on the, you know, bad boy for life train that was getting everybody paid and getting everybody on the radio. And I feel like all, all, a lot of these guys that were kind of in the middle that maybe didn't explode in one direction or the other part of it was because they couldn't decide artistically which way they wanted to ride. Um, and so they had, you know, these little disjointed, um, styles for a while. Yeah. They, they, but, but, you know, you also, you also had blueprint dropping in 2001. Um, you've got, um, and, and yeah. still Matic, right. Um, you've got, right. Uh, so, I mean, that whole, that whole beef was, was interesting and maybe, maybe, Maybe that's the exception that proves the rule, right? You're in a you're in a period of time where icons right. died. Well, I think those, those those were the those were the legends, yeah. right? Yeah, like those, those were the legends that real, you know, they yeah, like they were they were bucking they were bucking the trend, right? Like, um, what did Eminem come out with in two thousand one? I feel like it was, it was like Eminem show or something. Was, yeah. You know, even that was, even that was pushing, pushing boundaries. You know, like Kevin Show is a good album. I don't, I, I don't know if it's one of his best or one of his better ones. It, it, but he, he's trying to do something with that album, right? Like he's trying to do something with that art. Same with Blueprint. Same with Stillmatic. Um, at least you know Diddy and his crew. Whether you love that style of hip hop or not, we're trying to do something, right? Like Pharaoh and and um, you know Talib Kweli and most of those guys were trying to do something. But I feel like there were a lot of guys stuck in the middle, kind of like chaos, where it's like, man, I I feel like I spend most of the early two thousand going, wow, that guy has a ton of potential. Yeah. Why aren't his songs better? 
Like, I feel like I spend a lot of time, like, discovering new guys and saying, oh, why, why aren't you, like, Joe Budden, you know, we, we talked about Joe Budden, and, like, you listen to him, and you're like, oh, my God, like, you got some real skills. Why do you only have one hit, you know? I, I feel like we spend a lot of the early 2000s doing that. There was, like, the bunch of these guys that came out that you're just like, what happened? Like, where'd he go? Well... The really talented guys, the icons, you know, lasted. Yeah, and and meanwhile, like like it's uh like early two thousands is is like the rise of um, you know the um, the indie rapper too, right? right? Like, um, I think um you know two thousands is when I really got into dudes that weren't on the radio, right? And dude, dudes that. Uh, you know, I don't know. Sound SoundCloud SoundCloud was around by by the mid two thousands, but like, you know, like they would call them SoundCloud rappers today, right? Um, MySpace but they were rappers. still behind. Yeah, they were. Yeah, MySpace rappers. They were still behind labels, though. Right. Like, like it was this interesting spot where, like, you still need to be on a label, but you didn't have to be on a major label. You could right. be on an indie label, and so, yeah. like, you know, the MERS of the world. That, um, that's exactly it, how I discovered MERS. Um, he MySpace friended me. I don't, was a friending on MySpace? I don't even remember. But like, he connected with me on MySpace and I'm like, holy cow, this guy's dope. Like not even really connecting the fact that, yeah, he probably is on a label, just not a big one. And MySpace is kind of how he's trying to reach the masses, you know? I'm like, whoa, there, here's a MySpace rapper. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and like those dudes at, at that point in time were just like friending everyone because right. it, it gave them access to you. Um, and, and, and then there's like acts that, that really don't have a time period. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, um, you know, the, the I was big into the roots, like yeah. throughout the entirety of the two thousands and, and really like, you know, can you call the roots a nineties a, a group? I mean, you could, I mean, you could. <laughs> but, but they never, I mean, the, the roots don't have, they're not a roller coaster, right? right. Like they don't, they don't have peaks of stardom and, and valleys of obscurity. Like they're just, they're on their own plane. So, right. Um, but like, you know, as crappy as like a lot of stuff that was coming out then, like, you know, it, it's arguably Jay-Z's best work in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, um, I think you have to look at uh, you have to look at reasonable doubt. So ninety six is is huge for him. Two thousand one with the blueprint is huge for him, and black album. Um, right. And I I even think like you know, um, uh, four forty four now like geez, you got to put that album in the right. in the discussion long term with uh, you know what what his iconic canon is. Um, and honestly, and, and this this can be a later discussion, but I I think there's some merit to discussing Kingdom Come as well. Um, I know Kingdom Come gets shit on a lot, and rightfully so to a certain extent. But um, to me, that was like the first time I heard Jay Z taking risks with art. Also, you know, without just relying on he's Jay Z. I mean, he's incredible. Like nobody can question that. I disagree with Kingdom Come. I mean, we can we take a look at it, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I did not like. 
I did not like that album, but I think you could argue. I, I, yeah, well, most, most people don't, and I don't do it to, to be on the bandwagon of people who hate it. I just like, seriously, but after, after black album, I didn't like anything until uh, 444. I just didn't. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I like songs. I mean, there's, there's shit on, there's, um, what, what was that, uh, uh, um, Katrina uh, uh, track on oh. on Kingdom Come. Yeah, um, I know what you're talking the, the about. Dre produced, right? right? Like, yeah, that that shit was dope. I liked yep. it. Um, but as far as you know, I'm talking albums, right? right. Um, yeah. But you could argue without without Kingdom Come, you you don't you don't get 444, right? right. Like, artists have to go on their path and stuff that stuff sounded different after his, after his, uh, his worst retirement in the history of retirements, <laughs> like, like he really, year. He, but he really did retire a part of himself. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't the same artist after that. Didn't he come on with uh-huh. Sean Carter before it was, wasn't there a Sean Carter album? Yeah. After, it, Black, like, album. Uh, after Black album. Yeah. Well, what was I, it? I think, I think Kingdom Come was the first album after Black yeah. Album. And then, um, you know, I forget the order that stuff goes in after that, but I know right. uh, Carter, or uh, not Carter, three, a Blueprint 3 was yeah. it was in there after that. Um, and then what was the, like, Magna Carta, Holy Grail? Oh, God. Uh, um, yeah, with uh, Kanye. <laughs> Well, there was the watch. The, well, there was Watch the Throne, which to yeah, me Watch is the Throne, one of which the has worst. some dope shit on it. Oh, like, like, I feel like all the dope stuff on there had nothing to do with Jay Z or Kanye, right? Like, there's a song with was it with Frank Ocean, um, where the dopest yeah. part is Frank Ocean's part. Then there's a song with Beyonce, where the dopest part is Beyonce's part. I think is there a song with Timberlake on that, or maybe it's on Magna Carta, but like the dopest part. The dopest part is whoever the feature is. Like it's not Kanye or Jay. And well, that's like, every Kanye album, you know. Well, after outside of um, college dropout, <laughs> yeah, uh, late, registration, late registration, late registration. Yeah, late registration was good. Yeah, but that, and, that's another thing too. Is yeah. early two thousands g- gives you college dropout. That's like, true. Like there are Which, there are some. Um, uh, the the eight mile soundtrack is is in the early two thousands and. Yep. Like, you know, lose yourself, lose yourself as like a total song, um, yeah. and and all the things that are attached to it, right? M- might be it. It's it's Eminem's iconic song. Um, yeah, like it's his moment. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's kind of this weird time where it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of shit in the mainstream. There's a lot of Bubba Sparks and <laughs> um, uh, like. Uh, oh, I don't even know. Is like like there's a lot, yeah. Is Terror Squad like is, is Lean Back like early two thousands or is that mid two thousands? I think mid two thousands. I think I was in college by the time that started. Like that must have been like oh yeah. five. I think oh five oh six ish. But um, and Ludacris was huge in the early two thousands, probably. Yep. Um, Staggerly. I think there was a Staggerly sighting. Yeah. In the early two thousands, at some point. But I get it. It is like a, um, it is like an awkward, it, it's an awkward stage, right? Like, yeah. 
But we also got Royce in the early 2000s. We got Royce in the early 2000s. We got Royce in the mainstream where everybody got to hear him. Yeah. um, Yeah. And then like, dude, Death is Certain is still one of my favorite albums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. I mean, what what was the first single? Like hip hop, right? Hip hop was the first single. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like what's really then hit? Yeah, like the first time I heard them, I'm like this guy is. No, it's that, that's not some... that's not Royce though. What's no? No, but it was. Yeah. Um, that was my first exposure to him. Because um, again, not not growing up in Michigan, you know, didn't really know a lot of the indie guys um, until later. But like, e- even what's real in hip, like that being his first like um, mainstream single at that time was so much better than a lot of what was out there in terms of mainstream singles, right? Yeah, I think I'd even miss, maybe I didn't. Um, What I'm quoting is dead prez. Right. But but yeah, hip hop was like a premiere track, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it, it's kind of interesting you you point that out though. There's like this awkward stage between what I consider to be the golden era of hip hop, like mm-hmm. um, uh, the uh, the mid to to late uh, '90s, is like it, like Pac and Bigger and and everything that um, surrounded them. Right. Um, to me, it, w- it was the pinnacle of at least, you know, what I dug when I was a kid. Right. And, and, and then there was a, there was a period of time where, where it was, it was bubblegum rap, like, Mm -hmm. and we're in this stage now where like, I don't even know what you call it, but it's like, it's, it's matured. It's, uh, I like, I would, I was telling, I was telling my wife like last, last week or, um, couple weeks ago or whatever that like i think i appreciate kendrick more than i ever appreciated Pac when i was a kid like the the way i get enthused when i hear a new new track and the way that i pick it apart and just listen to what uh, um listen to it like 50 times and then want to um talk to all my friends that i know are into it as well and um so it's a like and it's really great, like to be almost thirty-three and um, and feel that way about someone that's relevant and um, someone half my age is right. is listening to and appreciating, like I appreciated when I was listening to Pac, when, um, yeah. you know, in, in my early days. But at the same time, there are times where I feel really old when everyone's telling me, you know, Migos is the most popular thing on earth, and I. I can't get through half a track. I'm just like I I don't I don't get it. Amigos like mumble rap shit, or is it something different? Like I I heard Amigos. I don't know that I I could like attach what Migos is. You know Snoop and people call Snoop old and salty for this, but he said you know Migos is just the epitome of what every rap has become now, which is mumble rap, right? Like everybody's trying to do that Andre Three Stacks flow. Right, like where they, where they're cramming as many syllables into into four bars as they can, um, but aren't really worried about what they're saying as opposed to three thousand. Right, like 
it, it's this mumble rap thing where everybody now has the exact same flow because they're like, oh, this is cool and interesting. I should do it along with everybody else. Yeah. That's why I think guys like Kendrick stand out even more because he's not doing that. Yeah. I, like Kendrick's like like new and throwback at the same time, right? Right. Like like Ken, Kendrick feels like he's I, I mean he he devoted all of his interludes on um on um uh what, what was the what was his third album called? Uh you know what I'm talking about. Um yeah. why am I having a why am I having a brain fart before damn. Um yeah. After uh, um, Good Kid, Bad Not, City. Was Bad it City. Uh, uh, to, to Pimp a Butterfly? To Pimp a Butterfly, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, he he's derived from Pac, right? But right. he's, like, pushes boundaries and doesn't sound like anything that's that's here today or has been in the past, right? Yeah. I mean, and I actually, learned, some of his you know, accent reminds me of you when when yeah. I hear him. Like, like yeah. he doesn't. It's he's just got he's not he's not he's from, not trying to hide it. He's not yeah. from anywhere besides Compton, but like he's just right. he just doesn't sound like he's from this world. Yeah, I know he's. Well, we talked about that the first time we listened to, and this is not a good kid, Matt City podcast. But the first time we talked that, like after your first listen, you were like, "I really like it," but I'm I'm not sure how much I like it because the voice was so different. Um, the voice that can get used to and. Because my voice was so different the first time I heard it. I'm like, yes. That's true. <laughs> Somebody that sounds crazy. Like, it's awesome. He annoyed me a little bit, like the way yeah. that he pronounced shit. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, over time. But, but that's the thing with voices, right? Like, uh, people say that people say that about everybody's voice. Unless it's, like, right. bland and, and sounds like everyone else. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, hey, um, I want to let you know. I'm gonna be in Grand Rapids, um, what the seventh, seventh and eighth. Um, okay. And that's unfortunate. Um, I'm gonna be in Detroit on the seventh and eighth. <laughs> you're you're in Detroit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're swapping, we're swapping sides. I've got work where uh, we got a conference for work on seventh and eighth. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, your your birthday's in there too, right? Because I know it's around mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, near the end of March. Near, near the end of March. So, yeah. Um, Twenty. I mean, I guess like, there's no point in me hiding it. Like all all my all my shit's on the internet. So if anybody really wants to, they can dig into it. So, yeah. so you know. <laughs> well, um, happy birthday! And thank you. Happy birthday to you. And um, we'll, uh, we'll 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 get back together. In March here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do this next month. This is a extra long podcast since we missed January. Yeah. And we needed, uh, this is a origin story podcast for you. So that's right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. I'm like, I'm like Brown Panther. Brown. Oh man. Let's not talk about Black Panther. Cause I, we, uh, we had to add another hour. To this. That'll be another hour long podcast on its own. All right. Later. Later.